fun. All right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have another male identifying guest on the pod. We have just let the men enter into the building, and I'm very excited um, to talk to Thomas today about being bisexual and kind of what that looks like, uh, what that's looked like throughout their lives. So Thomas, I'm going to like give it to you. Do you want to introduce yourself, tell people your pronouns and a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Thomas Ferreira. I go by he, him. Uh, I am a student at McGill. I study political science and geography. Uh, I'd like to do a master's in urban planning, something like that. That would be interesting. Uh, I am the editor of this podcast, um, and I am bisexual. Yeah. And I guess a lot of people are probably confused as to why (laughs) there is a male identifying person on the Ladies Let's Talk About podcast team. So maybe do you want to briefly like tell people like why you showed up and uh, (laughs) why you wanted to be part of this project? Yeah, I saw like a little, um, I guess, like an advertisement because you guys were looking for people to fill in some roles on, I think, the Queer McGill newsletter. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I saw it was like, ladies, let's talk about sex. And I was like, oh, whatever. I mean, it's just like it just says ladies. I mean, it doesn't only mean ladies. And then we had our little interview. And afterwards, we were talking about it. And you and Felicia, you were like, you know, I was really worried that this was just like a prank or something and you were going to flash your penis or something. And I thought that was so funny. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, you. you're like, yeah. I want her to be my boss. That's yeah, it. <laughs> that was I thought that was just hilarious. And I was yeah. So that's how I kind of got into this. No, that's awesome. I'm glad I didn't scare you off. Um, yeah, it's definitely been like a shift in the podcast and kind of in our mission to have a more diverse and like I would say like gender fluid approach even though ladies is still in the title but I'm glad Mm -hmm. that you felt comfortable enough to interview um and you are the first male identifying person working within our team so I feel like that's a testament to you but you're also part of the queer community and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today um and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about bisexuality and there's this whole, like, are they just discovering themselves? Like, are they unsure? Um, So I guess we can start with like those and just kind of run down maybe some of the bizarre things that people have either told you or misconceptions that you've seen, like even on TV, like in those like one liners of just like, she's unsure or, or she doesn't know yet, or she's confused or whoever we're talking about, what are some very common like misconceptions about bisexuality that you kind of just want to like demystify? So I, I'm pretty like, I'm like, I watch a lot of like TV movies. Like I consume like a ton of media. I don't really like to use that word consume, but you know, it's like, it's a good word. (laughs) Um, Anytime that there's any kind of bisexual representation in any movie from like the two thousands or early or late nineties, it is basically like, like deranged sex maniac, like pervert. Uh, a good example would be in the movie Rent. Uh, the bisexual character is basically just like 
to not to use this word, but I mean, she's kind of like super slutty. Like she just sleeps with like everyone because that's just how bisexuals are. Because, you know, if they sleep with both genders, then they basically double the amount of sex they have, which is just something that's not true. I am not having that much sex. Like, I'll be very <laughs> honest. Like there's it's like there's only so many hours in a day. You know, I can't be doing this, you know, all the time. But that is a, a big misconception, I think, is that people it's kind of like with gay men where men will think like, oh, do you think I'm hot? It's like, even though I'm bisexual and my dating pool is larger, I still have like standards, you know, like a lot of people don't think I have standards, you know, like I'm some kind of bottom feeder, but I'm not. Okay. Like I, I like, I like to pick and choose and like, like things are attractive to me or not attractive to me. And it's, you know, it's just as complicated as like you, like selecting someone to go out with or or hang out with it's not that different uh but yeah that's that's one misconception another one is like yeah the questioning thing is pretty annoying considering there's like a whole category of person that kind of occupies that uh like obviously the stereotype is like a bisexual man is just gay with extra steps and a bisexual woman is just like straight with extra steps which is obviously very not true like like bisexuality is still like super fetishized for women and is like, you know, like, Oh, so hot, like girl on girl, you know, that she comes home with me at the end of the night. Awesome. And then like with guys, it's like, you're just a gay man. Who's just like, like uh, in denial basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a really good point because my next question is kind of like, how do you feel like bisexuality has, has kind of like, has been shaped within the identity of women versus like men. If we're going to go through these binaries, kind of like what you were saying before, how it's like super fetishized with women. Well, a good, like, okay. Another good example of like how fetishized bisexuality is with women is that there's like a trope in film where it's like the twins, like it is desirable for a man to sleep with female twins, but like, the people write that in movies and they don't think about it, but that's literally like incestuous. Like the, the the sexualization of bisexual woman is goes so far that it includes things like incest and we don't even give it a second thought. Like, wait, like twins two at the same time. Yeah. Like in like Like a threesome with, with siblings. Yes. Yeah. And the second Austin powers movie, they'd make a joke about that. Actually, I might be in the third one, but, you know, don't quote me. I'm not an Austin Powers expert. But, yeah, like, but, like, it's it's really strange. Like, when you really get to it, like, it's very bizarre. And there are many instances and lots of depictions that we see, like, all the time of, like, it being totally normal. Or, like, like let's say in the, in the movie Dodgeball, the under, underdog story with Vince Vaughn, at the end of the movie, they make a joke about the love interest also being bisexual. And they have, like a minute long lesbian makeout scene for no reason. Like, like it's funny because it's just like comes out of nowhere and like on it, like it's not like too harmful, but like, that's the level we're at, you know, like it's like people like to think of bisexual woman as like a fantasy for like 14 year old boys to like jerk off to. They're not like real people, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like that depiction is similar for men or cause I'm trying to think of any sort of bisexual representation for like male identifying people and i can't think of one yeah i don't think i don't if there is one we're obviously missing it but i really can't think of like a single one like i know like 
Oh, I know one. In Sex in the City, big Sex in the City fan. Seen all the <laughs> seen all the seasons, seen all the movies. Big. I'm a Miranda personally, okay. but uh, in Sex in the City, they do have an episode where Carrie dates a bisexual college student, and it's very strange because when Sex in the City encounters something new. And they want to treat it very delicately and like very progressive for like the time the show came out. They'll they'll like write it in a certain way. Like in the episode, like Carrie's just uncomfortable with the fact that he also sleeps with men, which is like, I mean, I don't know if it's like something that's bad, but she's like super mature about it. And she's just like, you know what? Like, I don't really find this very comfortable. Like, I'm sorry, we can't like continue to date. And he's like, okay, that's fine. And that was like a very adult in a very like yeah nice for Carrie too. Carrie's on something else all the yeah, time. Like I can't. I could talk about Carrie for hours. <laughs> I mean, like honestly, like the decisions she makes as like sometimes you're just like, oh my god, like what are you doing? Like you're like you know you cause all your own problems most of the time, and Carrie. then cries like, about it. I I could I could talk about it too. The Mister Big situation is just like oh the god. reason why we're all so fucked up. Like it set woman back 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Big set woman back 50 years. This, this big blocky white guy, like ruining everybody's life. And Carrie's just like, yes, thank you. And he, like, like, he doesn't give a shit, which is so funny because he is just like totally neutral. And he's just like, hey, you want to have sex? And she's like, oh, does that mean you love me? And like every time he's like, not really like not really really and then like they get married and then it's like um got cold feet like i are you surprised like yeah like what did you expect like this guy you literally had like like your relationship was literally always it's complicated like for like three or four years no it was like nine years they were together for so long crazy like at any time in the show they'd be like oh that happened four years ago i get fucking whiplash like i can't (laughs) believe i couldn't believe the show ran that long i was like holy shit nine years like yes it's something else but circling back to our (laughs) conversation yeah in that depiction did they show any like more sexual because i know like sex in the city the tv show was pretty like pg-13 um at least in like the sex scene realm but like did they show the two bi guys like hooking up or just like that this was he just showed him like kissing people at a party i think because they were playing like spin the bottle okay like made out with a guy which was like which is honestly nice because like even today when watching like queer representation in anything, they'll go to the ends of the earth to not show the gay couple kiss. They will do everything in their power to like lampshade it and cover it up. They'll like hug each other, you know, like one show that one, one modern show that actually showed it quite a bit was like modern family, like modern family. But you know, um, the two gay characters make it a point to kiss and like show affection And you really don't see that in like other one-off gay characters who just like shake their partner's hands or like tap them on the back. But, uh, but yeah, to talk about like bisexuality, there's almost no like depictions of bisexual males because I think it's because people don't think they're real. I think people just think they're gay men who are too scared of just becoming or just saying they're gay. So I know that you sometimes represent yourself or identify towards the term gay um or like the sexuality do you think that's 
inherently because of the way we perceive bisexual men? Or do you think that you're potentially on like a transition yourself? Or does it like kind of like lessen the taboo or the reaction um, when you're telling people? Well, I just I just find that it makes the situation easier, you know, like uh, if I say I'm bisexual, usually there's questions and it's like if I'm introducing my someone or we're like sitting down and talking, I really don't want to talk about this. Like, you know, I like I spend a lot of time, you know, explaining things to people and it just gets like, OK, like I think you get it. Like I like women and I like men. Like It's not that complicated. Like what could you possibly ask me? Like I've heard it all before. Like, people go, like, how does it work? Like, what are the mechanics? Like, some days do you like women? Like, some days you like men? Like, what do you think of me? What do you think of my girlfriend? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, my God. So I'll just say I'm gay. So everyone knows what that is. So they just don't ask, you know, they're like, oh, he likes to have sex with dudes. That's it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You have to explain that to people. It must... I don't know. I've never had to explain my straightness. And like, I even yeah. think too, like, I, I've had a lot of guy friends my whole life, but I'm like, my, my friend pool is pretty, whatever. It doesn't even matter. But like, no guy has ever been like, Oh, do you think I'm hot? Like, unless he was trying to like, fuck me. Like there, I've never had that encounter before. Like, just like how uncomfortable and it's also awkward if you don't want to fuck them. Like, I, I'm pretty comfortable with telling my girlfriends, like, if I was gay, I would definitely have sex with you because I'm fine with that. But, like, I, they don't elicit that in me. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, it's a weird yeah. type of thing because not yeah. everyone's your type either. It's, it's definitely, like, um, like, I use Grindr. And, like, like, sometimes people will message you and they'll be, like, very like i don't know like they're a bit like their their perceptions of themselves are a bit warped by the app so they'll try to like seek out like validation from people and they'll like we'll pester you and ask you questions and that you just have to go like you know like you're not my type like it's you have to just like lay them down gently and that's like one of the hardest things well i mean i sound like i'm getting you know like i'm let like my mailbox is full of men who are like oh my god you're so you know attractive and it's like no that doesn't happen like very rarely but you know once in a while has like a guy ever like asked if you wanted to like hook up with a girl or something to some like to some like end you know no 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 i don't think so (laughs) I'm, I'm like trying to think if I like maybe had that weird conversation with someone if if anything like I've elicited those conversations I typically attract like very shy men so I'm the mm. more sexual one in like the mm-hmm. conversations so I think men are inherently scared of me to be completely honest so a lot of people forget that women are terrifying that's true women are very scary and i grew up with two sisters but women i i actually still have problems talking to women i find them like pretty pretty scary because like most of my life i've only had like guy friends so like that Mm -hmm. transition was a bit more difficult which is why i like mostly sleep with men because it's you know it's easier it's something i'm familiar with because i'm a guy you know Women are, like, a little scary to me. Not, like, terrifying, but, like, you know, 
I think it's less of like a physical intimidation and more just like a psychological one. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so like on dating apps, like how has that experience been on? Are you just on Grinder or are you also on like something like Bumble or Tinder? Uh, yeah, I use um, I use Tinder too. Uh, one thing is that I'm trying to be more like assertive of my identity. So like I'll have like bisexual in my little like label thing that they ask you. And like, that's fine. Like most men don't really care, but I find that a lot of women do like, they kind of, they think it's like kind of iffy or like strange, I think, or like, they just don't want to deal with that. It's like interesting because like women don't really have as pot, like they don't really have a neutral reaction. It's more like slightly negative. It's interesting. You know, honestly, like, there was a point in my life where I was like, I don't think I could ever be with a man who's bisexual. And I think like learning more about sexuality in general and also learning more about my own like sexual preferences and sexuality, like I'm kind of at the point in my life where like, I really don't care as long as like I'm getting what I need out of the relationship that I'm seeking out. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people like have to kind of come to terms with that. And also that like, even though like I identify as straight, I don't think I would ever, like I've never been with a woman like sexually. I don't feel like bound to this like straightness to the point where like, I don't know, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do in in 10 years. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. So like Mm -hmm. if things change, they change. But like, I feel like people have a very like polarizing opinion on sexuality and like, hopefully that changes over time and as people learn and grow and figure it out it like lessens this weird like strain have you felt like women have been very like I don't know communicative about it or like what has the experience been on your end I think it has to do with like labels and our Mm. like obsession with labels you know or um or just like the like I guess like the slight ick factor you know like women, like that's a lot of masculinity to be having sex with men, if you know what I mean. So it's like a bit overwhelming if that makes any sense. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I think people are trying to move away and to like move toward like a more, um, I guess, if that makes any sense, an inclusive sexuality where labels are less um, less important and less uh, vital. Like personally, I think, you know, labels hurt rather than than help us. But I do like obviously labels are still a perfectly valid way of expressing oneself. I mean, like they exist because, you know, like queerness as a label or like gay and bisexual and lesbian all exist because like we were like queer people were rejected from mainstream society and decided to build their own communities outside of it. So like that's where these labels come in. But now as we as we gain more acceptance in general society, we have to think about like what is the the validity of these labels and like what's their use and how should we use them so it's a bit more confusing we're definitely in like a transition period yeah no i agree and i think too like the society that we lived in prior to these labels was already shit and we're still living in that society yeah. and like i i i i know i sound like we live in the society but like really it's like <laughs> If we didn't have such a shitty like social structure and education system, I don't think labels would be as harmful as they are. But yeah. because people aren't even being taught or like have no openness to like 
just critically understanding like what these things mean and how people express themselves and like it it just like I get it it ends up hurting people especially because we're still in this like heteronormative culture where like everything else is the other except for straightness which is like also inherently problematic but I don't know how we fix that but Uh kind of going back to like your experience I've talked about this like you know till I could like lose my voice and sexual health has (laughs) been so shit for me as a straight white woman who went to I went to Catholic school, so that definitely had its implications, but I was mm-hmm. very privileged as a child. I had access to everything. I had the internet, like, on a big Dell computer, but I had it, and it was shit. Um, so how is your sex, like, sex ed, and, like, how has it shaped your, like, your understanding with sexual health, and, like, how have you kept up with it and like been safe as you're kind of like figuring yourself out and being sexually active? Yeah, that's a good question. I say my, my sex ed journey began when I was like, I don't know, when I started like masturbating, like not to get so graphic, but you know, men do it. How old were you? Um, I was, I was a very early bloomer and I don't want to say how early I started. Okay. Uh, I actually care. I have a terrible, terrible memory, but it was just like early. I think I was in like grade school or middle school, maybe. Don't be embarrassed. I was in kindergarten. So yeah, but like, I think a lot of our listeners don't really understand how like American ages work with like grade school and middle school. And I can't really remember either. Like, actually, let me just like middle school ages. Let's see. Uh, So I was about like maybe 13, 14, I guess. Yeah. Or I don't maybe think that, that's young. Okay, maybe or maybe I'm just being, you know, like weird about it. But yeah, I started then and then that was usually that was all straight porn and then I realized like, oh, like Oh, you watched what? porn with it. Yeah. Yeah, because oh I God. yeah, be the first thing I ever looked up was like boobs.com and that was literally I know, I know. I was a brilliant. I was a savant. I mean, like how could he figure out how to type in on his like iPad? boobs.com but you know I was just smart like that yeah so as I I moved around a lot as a kid so I started when I started masturbating I was in New Jersey and after I lived in New Jersey I moved to California and in California we had sex education we had a whole health class you know like they gave us like a fake baby that we had to take care of and like stuff like that and like the sexual health was pretty comprehensive but pretty sterile Like there was a question box, but eventually this question box would just be like stupid jokes that kids would put in. Like if I have sex in the water, will I give birth to a mermaid? Or if I have sex in X, will I give birth to like this or this? And she's like, we're going to take away the suggestion box if you guys don't take it seriously. But, you know, it's just kids like California is pretty comprehensive. Like I think there's even there's a whole thing about like your genitals in science class that they do. Like how awesome. Like, why does your your scrotum get smaller when it's cold and like stuff like that? So I had I had that. And then after I moved to Florida to attend a private Catholic high school, um, there was no (laughs) sex ed there. We did not talk about it at all. Um, We did have this thing called candle. I don't know if you had it, but no, or maybe it wasn't called candle. But what it was, was that like it was like a couple times in the semester 
where like in our religion class, they would talk about um, like molestation and like what to do. Like it was part of their like PR thing about like, don't try not to get molested, please. Like stuff like that. Did you ever have that at your school? I didn't even get, I literally got a little bit about like my ovaries and like Mm -hmm. how a baby's made, but they didn't tell us like, they never explained to me penis in the vagina. They didn't, (laughs) nobody did that. So I was just like, how does the sperm get in there? Like, does it just like magically? And then I like didn't get P and V until I was like maybe 13 and people started doing this. And I was like, oh, oh, like, whoa. So that's what I got. Yeah. Uh, They didn't care about us being molested. I don't even think that was a thing. (laughs) It didn't exist yet in Canada. (laughs) No, 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 no. My parents are also very like, I guess, like forward thinking uh, there. I would I wouldn't go so far as to say they're like super, super progressive or anything, but they were like, you know, progressive minded and they like wanted to do like the talk with me. So what they did was that my dad took me to Yard House. I don't know if you know Yard House. It's like this chain of restaurants. But um, and I got like and we got our food and he's like, so you have any questions? And I was like, not really. And he's like, OK. And then my mom did the exact same thing. And she's like, you have to treat women right. Okay. And I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, that's it. She's like, I don't really know what to do because she's like, I only have a sister and like, I don't really know how to like, and I'm the only boy in like a large part of my family. So she's like, I don't really know how to like deal with like male sexuality. She didn't like say it exactly like that, but that's basically what she meant. She's like, you know, mm. You know, you kind of just like, you're fine. Like, I, you seem fine. Like, just don't have sex without a condom and like treat girls well. And I'm like, oh, that sounds easy. I can do that. So, yeah. Bare minimum. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just like, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, they weren't like, the, the one thing I'll say about my parents is they weren't like, like those weird people who are like, you know, like getting their kids like a sh- like their male son a sheet cake when he loses his virginity. And then like when their daughter like wants to date someone, they're just like, oh, I have a gun downstairs if you don't bring her home at like 930. Like they treated me and my sisters very similar. Like they're like, just respect yourselves and like, you know, your limits and stuff like that. Yada, yada. Like I remember my sister dating. I remember my sister using like rudimentary Tinder in California like when it was first starting and like the guy being over and I'm like, who's this like weird stranger, you know? Was she but, a lot older than you? She's eight years older than me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was oh. like, she's 13 on Tinder. Like <laughs> oh, what the no. fuck is going on? I mean, technically I was, um, I was not a planned pregnancy. I was, uh, I was a miracle as they say. So yeah. So when I was born, my dad actually got a vasectomy so he wouldn't have any more kids. And you know how I found out about this? We're watching an episode of Modern Family where Mitch is getting a vasectomy and like they're talking and my dad just goes, he's like, it's nothing like this. I remember mine. And then he looks back down on his like computer and then the look on his face was just like, oh, I fucked up. I said something I shouldn't have. And I, and I looked at him. I was like, you got a vasectomy? And he's like, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. And I was just and I pieced it together from there. So Oh yeah. my god. Well, everything happens for a reason and you know I oh, don't I'm know. glad. I'm glad I'm alive. I think it's great. I mean, <laughs> now, to more to more directly answer your question about health, I could talk about this for a really long time. And the only time I've ever really had any kind of sexual health is here at in Montreal. 
like um like once i think a couple weeks ago or like a month or two ago i was really sick i had like a two like two weeks of being sick like 15 days and like i had two covid tests and i talked to a doctor from the mcgill hub which is really bad like honestly using the hub services are very underwhelming i remember talking to my doctor on the phone and talking about my symptoms and I w- and he was like, do you have sex with men? And I was like, yeah. And he let out like this big sigh, like, ah, okay, I guess we'll test you for like every STD too. And I was like, it's like, just, like, what do you, like, what do you mean? Like, why, why are you testing me for every STD? Like, just because I have sex with men, like I automatically have something. So I got tested and my blood was totally clean for everything. Or I shouldn't say clean. I didn't have any detectability for anything, even mono. And I called and I was like, so what does that mean? And he's like, well, I think you had a virus, but we don't know which one. And I was like, is there any way to like, like, no? And he's like, "Mm, not really. And I was like, great. How warming. Yeah. And then the other time I had to deal with um, sexual health in the province of Quebec so there's this uh, men, men who have sex with men clinic. They have a couple in the Montreal area. They're called CDEP, CDEP Plus or whatever. And they go, you can go there for STD testing. The problem is that CDEP uh, is in a building with about three other uh, things. Like there's a CLSC, which is for listeners who don't know, it's like a public clinic. There's a CLSC, a research center for UDEM, University of Montreal, and then there's CDEP, and then there's like two other things. There's like six floors. And when you look up the place, like the address will give you, it'll be like, oh, this is CLC de Felburg. So you're like, oh, this isn't CDEP, but you'll keep, like, it's not labeled. It's like super hard to find. And when you get there, CDEP does not have any, uh, does not have any um, uh, front desk people. So you have to talk to the uh, CLSC's front desk people. I don't know why. And it's not like a private at all. Like I remember being there and hearing someone was like, like, and the guy's like, so why do you need like uh, the CDIP thing? He's like, cause I'm a gay man. And I think I might have an STD. Like he was like, obviously very agitated, had to raise his voice, you know? And like, and it's in public. It's not like a closed off like area where you talk to the front desk person, like the waiting area is like a couple of feet away. So you have to go like, I'm here for an STD test. And they're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, so that's, that's discreet. Yeah. It's not like, it's not the best. And as much as like Quebec likes to think of itself as like some kind of space age society, you know, far more advanced than anywhere else in the world. There's still a lot of problems with how we deal with like queer healthcare, especially in the province, but maybe, you know, Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. At least there's like a clinic that I could go for free, but still, you know. So like, as you've kind of like grown into your sexuality and become like, I mean, I don't know how sexual, sexually active you are, but do you have now kind of like a procedure or some sort of like rhyme or rhythm to like STI testing? And like, are there certain things like that you're adamant about? Like for me as a woman, like as of now, I'm not on birth control. So like I am 100% adamant about condom use if you are getting all up in this because Uh one STIs, but also pregnancy. So like, Uh how has that been for you? And are there some like non-negotiables that you have or some like regimes that you start to practice? Um, I guess like a non-negotiable is like honesty. Like 
like you need to be like totally honest with like i don't like you can't just lie about little things or stuff like that like oh i got tested like a month ago and it was really three months ago like i really can't stand that with people like a lot of people unfortunately you trust people i don't trust anyone i know i know a lot of people in the gay community unfortunately are very lax with the truth and that happens a lot and like it's you will get in you can get burned you just have to be very careful like i've known people who've had who've like uh, went to go hook up with someone and they you know they were doing drugs you know whatever and they would and they would uh try to get like entice you know the person to do drugs and actually blow it in their faces you know like like just completely crossing the line like you know it's like like i like to say like gay men are kind of like like straight men with like twice as much audacity you know like a lot of a lot I don't of gay think men so the- I- You'd be you'd be surprised with how like entitled some people can be. It's a bit it's a bit concerning. But with me, like I don't really do uh, for the for the interest of safety. Uh, I don't really do anal that often. Like unless it's like the third or fourth time I meet someone, because it's like, you know, like I don't really want to get into why, but like I can't really. Um, it's a process. I. Yeah. One of my good friends from high school, like, explained to me, because as of now, as of now, I've, I haven't done anal yet in my life. I'm still mm. waiting know, for that special someone. I'm yeah. saving that hole for my husband, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but no, it's like a process and you need to, like, basically give yourself an enema. And, mm. like, that's, like, I thought that, like, shaving my coochie was like work but no yeah. like an enema is something else i mean i have a i have a bit of a position privilege in that i'm like more of a like a top so i don't really have to do that but the thing for me it's just like you know like i don't know how to say this delicately it's just like i don't really fit like most like regular like condoms like i have to get like the bigger ones and i'm not doing this for my ego okay (laughs) like this is just something i need to do like it's not even that like crazy but like you know it's like it's a it's like a process like it takes like a while like it's like entering like i think you have a brand that you've like stuck with or are you still Um, figuring it out i'm still figuring it out i've tried the um like so this is this is really interesting because i had to learn how condoms work so when you're buying condoms, they actually don't really have sizes. What they'll do is they'll just make them longer and not thicker. So if you, if you go to the store and you get like the Magnum XXLs, they'll actually fit almost all men's penis sizes because condom companies know that men have huge egos and will always get the big ones. So, it, so in order to like, like have the protection be adequate, they basically it's like a one size fits all. And it doesn't matter what condoms you buy. Like, and it's a bit frustrating for someone like me who has to like seek out condoms that have like a specific girth dimension, you know, and it's girthy condoms. I've actually never looked into this. They do, but they're like expensive, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. everything. It's like everything has a tax on it for like no reason. So I, I don't really do like anal sex all that often. It's mostly just oral. And like, that's, that's usually fine. Cause there's a pretty low risk of like transmission for anything. But yeah, like. I guess like my um, like I I guess my demands for my partner is that they know themselves and they know their body and they're like you know 
they're smart. They're not like laissez-faire with like their health or anything like that. And I'll be honest, I don't always adhere to my own rules. Like sometimes, like I know someone who I've who I've like had a relation who had relations with, and I know that they're like a very messy and like not a very like they're super scatterbrained and they're not very well put together. But like, I mean, you know, you'll win some, you'll lose some. You know, it's kind of <laughs> it's just life, you know. No, I think it's, like, a part of it, too, and, like, I'm very, like, I feel like at this point in my life, I can't be lax about these things because I know too much. It's just, like, I just know way too People much. People are filthy. People and- are filthy, <laughs> filthy, like, And gross. I'm having sex with straight guys, too, so it's just, like, the extra ick on top of it, but, no, I think it's a part of it, and I think also, like, it's going to change and grow over time. Like, mm. as of now... Like, I am the, like, I don't even know the right word, but like the most anal about everything because we're just in this pandemic and I'm like scared of everything. So it's like, uh-huh. do I want to get coronavirus? Do I want to get an STI? Do I want to get both? I'd rather just like avoid everything uh, if I possibly can. But it's going to change within the next five years once we're all vaccinated and like things are sort of normal. But I think it's important to kind of like set those boundaries up and like watch them change and grow and like learn from your mistakes um, and like talk about it too. Cause like what you say now might not be what you say in a couple years. And that's kind of like a part of it. You're like growing and knowing your sexuality and it's, it's going to change. Um, but kind of like, as we're, we're kind of talking about you and you know, you're figuring out you and how you're, you're figuring out kind of like who you are. And I know we spoke about this a little bit at the beginning, but how is your, how have you felt like your place within the podcast has kind of like either affected who you are? Has it given you any more like insight? Obviously you're editing. So you're hearing all of the conversations I'm having. Um, But yeah, like how have you felt in your position and like, has it prompted any like thoughts or um, elicited like any conversations in your personal life? It's made me think a bit more, especially the uh, the episode about caller daddy. Like <laughs> I like I used to be pretty into Twitter, so I I like I was I was like regular around like podcasts and stuff like that. And people would mention caller daddy, and I was like, oh, I wonder what this is, and I'd look into it. And I'm like, oh, it's like this really hot girl talking about sex. And I'm like, obviously, this is super popular because like, you know, hot women are attractive and people like to look at them. And even more so, they like to hear what they have to say, even though most of the time it's not the most enlightening thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, like people don't listen to podcasts only for like, you know, world news or anything like that. And I was like, oh, it's just like a harmless like. And like, and then like you suck his dick because like, that's what he likes. And I'm like, haha, like that must be kind of funny. I didn't really think about it too much. And I guess I wasn't really the target demo for it, but hearing you guys kind of discuss it really made me like think about it a lot more. And it made me think about like, uh, like harmful stereotypes perpetuated in media in general, like watching anything, you see a lot of like casual sexism that's like really reinforced and that's kind of like played for laughs. Like, um, and it's not like, it's not even a joke most of the time. It's just like, oh, like this is sexist. Isn't that like so like wacky and zany? And it's like, like maybe you could make that joke in like a hundred years when like women aren't being like killed in parking garages because, you know, they're, they're women. But like, 
right now like that's still like like women like feel, genuinely feel for their lives sometimes and it's like there's like a certain time and a place where you can make jokes about like oh like you know sexism ha 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 you know like i don't is that for is that clear like do you know what i mean i know exactly what you mean um yeah. I, like i think that this podcast has like elicited a lot of conversations amongst men in particular like my close circle of guy friends I know they listen and they hear and even when I had the episode with the straight guy um column not only was it like fun for like my small group of friends to kind of like see my relationship with him and like listen to those like really taxing conversations but like (laughs) insightful to some degree I think it's like I don't know it's interesting to be presented with these these different perspectives and like understandings from like an intersectional feminist lens I think that's Mm -hmm. like something that not a lot of people do and if they do it they don't do it super well well. Yeah. yeah um which is something that like I'm still learning and figuring out like how I want to fit into these conversations and when I want to pass the mic just over to someone who knows a lot more than me versus like just kind of having that open dialogue. Mm -hmm, But uh because I know that the podcast, as we're kind of growing and moving away from like this binary of just like women's health and like ladies sexuality, how do you feel like, or what factors do you think might hinder male listeners or male identifying folk from like kind of partaking in these either in the conversations kind of like what you're doing now or like even just like listening to the podcast because we need men like we do mm-hmm. um even though they're questionable <laughs> sometimes yeah. and we poke fun at them we need them to help us unlearn all of these things that are still hurting women um whether it's like casual sexism or like getting murdered uh walking home you know yeah. it's a lot of things but What do you think, like, as a male identifying person, what might hinder, like, some of your friends or peers from either coming on or even just, like, listening? Uh, I think it, I think that that topic of, like, rehabilitation is really important. And I think, like, the podcast definitely has a role to play in, like, kind of shaping people's understandings of sex and sexuality. But for me personally, I'd say that maybe one of the barriers is, honestly, I feel like people when they when they don't want to listen to certain media or something it's kind of like on them like i i'm like i come from like a school of thought where it's like it's not really the media's job to kind of cater to everyone you know what i mean like move like not everyone has to like the same movies or tv like different movies and tv will speak to us but i guess like from a podcast standpoint like maybe it's because like people don't really want to hear about this i guess like they they don't really find it like too interesting or too eye-opening like i think it's because people learn a bit about it and then they learn as little about it as possible and that's it because i don't know they think that if they learn more about like sexuality and health they're gonna get like an std or something (laughs) like you know what i mean like people try to learn like as little as possible about this stuff for whatever reason and they try to distance themselves um, another reason is that like many of my friends wouldn't find this super interesting. Many of my friends um, have, you know, interests that include, you know, like video games and stuff like that, which, you know, I play video games too, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like, it's just like a different kind of like cultural language, I guess you could say like, there's a lot more like 
uh, again, like casual, like racism and sexism in video games. But we have to understand is that a lot of people use these words without really like even thinking about like what it actually means. Like it's dehumanizing or whatever. Like they just use it because it's a bad word. But at the end of the day, it's like it's harmful to like people like me or people like you or stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess like the barriers are very much I, I think on, I know it sounds like weird to say and it's a bit more strange because I edit the podcast. But like people who don't want to listen to this podcast, it's like it's more them than us. I think we make an incredibly like uh, encompassing and informative environment. I mean, we've had, you know, two men on the pod. You know, like we're do- I think we're doing all we can to make it as inclusive as possible. And it's really it's up to be, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink to sound like a cowboy. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like you can you can lead a man to a podcast, but you can't make him listen. Like write that down. That's some insightful. I should use that for the quote. But yeah, I uh, want to get that tattooed on my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it's I think we're doing a pretty good job. And I think if we continue the way we are, maybe we'll get more people to be, you know, more open and kind of want to listen and hear like, oh, what do women care about? You know, because I think a lot of people are still in that stage where like women are these incredibly mysterious creatures. And it's like, how do you talk to them? Like, what do they like? Like, they're so weird. (laughs) But, you know, women are women and men have a lot more, I guess, like similarities and they do have differences, I'd say. So, yeah, I think that's where where we stand right now is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think you are a little bit biased, but I'm glad that we we did talk about it because I do. I, I've had a few people kind of talk to me about this and even I like grappled when we were starting season two. I'm like, should we change the name? Should we get rid of ladies? And it's something that a lot of people have mixed feelings on and I'm like really focused more on like the non-binary community and how they see fit within this like title. And the reason why we literally can't just take ladies off and call it, let's talk about sex is because we'll get sued um, from that song. (laughs) But no, I, I do appreciate that. And I think that like, I think a lot of people are scared of unlearning a lot of things, which is why like call her daddy does so well amongst like men and women, because a lot of their conversations are like hosted around internalized misogyny. So it's like very easy to like relate to that because it's so like anti-feminist misogynistic. It's basically just like a woman like mirroring male like heteronormative male tendencies and yeah so it validates it so they're like oh it's okay to act like this because you know women women like this like they they don't they don't they don't not only do they like it but they find it desirable in men to act a certain way and it's like if i want to sleep with like the blonde cheerleader then i need to act like this and then that trickles down to like where women are like well if men like it like this then i have to you know provide that kind of uh, I don't know, like tactile fantasy. I don't know to sound academic, but you know, it's, it, it, it really, it messes with people's heads. I think like, it's very, like, I understand it's entertainment and it is for like, you know, haha laughs, but like, like, as you said in, in your podcast, talking about it, like sometimes they'll be like, Oh, like my mom's a psychologist or like, they'll be like, they'll pretend to be experts. You know, they'll be like, Oh, I have a lot of experience in this area. Oh, I've dated a lot of men. So what they're doing, like, even though they may hide behind the veneer of like, oh, it's just all jokes. Like, I don't know why you're getting so upset. Like, cancel cultures at it again. 
blah, 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 blah. Like soon Tucker Carlson is going to be like, they're trying to cancel talking about sex. It's like, you know, the crazy university students. But, you know, they can't like you can't just be like, say all this like vitriol and like vile stuff and then just be like, oh, I was just joking. You see, like all those times where I was like specifically saying do this this way and I am not joking. That was actually very clever satire that you completely miss because you're too stupid. It's like like I'm not like I'm not dumb. Like people aren't that dumb, you know. Like people are know know that you're trying to present yourself as an expert and you're kind of like polluting the pool basically with your like awful advice, you know. Yeah. No, I completely agree and I think we're slowly moving away from it. I know a lot of people are calling podcasts like that out and even comedians that make like really bad like rape jokes and like harassment like they have these skits about like harassing women and I'm just like bro what the fuck um but yeah I remember a couple years ago there was that big um there was that big thing with Daniel Tosh where uh he was doing a I think a set uh, I think at the Laugh Factory in California I can't really remember but he was doing like he's like an edgy 13 year old boy comic who makes like comedy for like people who uh like who makes comedy for the characters in super bad. Like I love super bad, the movie, but like the, like those depictions of like uh, pubescent males is very accurate. And I feel like that's like kind of the target demo for like this kind of like sex comedy, which is interesting because like sex comedy movies kind of don't really exist anymore, but that's like a whole other topic. Anyway, Daniel Tosh made like a rape joke and a woman in the crowd was like, rape isn't funny. And he's like, what? And he's like, and she's like, rape isn't funny. So like a heckler, like to a stand-up comedian is basically like a number one, like the worst thing you can do to a stand-up comedian is like heckle them. So he said like, wouldn't it be funny if like five guys came and raped you just right now? And he got a huge laugh from the audience, a huge laugh from the audience, you know? And that's like totally normal. I mean, like no one, like that's just totally normal. That's just how you talk to, you know? And he was like, oh, she was a heckler. She was, you know, up in my up in my space as a comedian. Like I had to defend myself, you know, and that was totally normal. You know, telling what someone. What year was this? I'm like, sh- I'm actually like, like having early, a stomachache right now. Early 2000s. I, it wasn't <sighs> not, it was not that long ago. Like what it's I- all on video. You can watch it. You can go to YouTube and watch it. Honestly, the early 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s, a terrible time for, I think, everyone except for men. Like you know, just shit. Like. I will say one thing. One thing I do like is the the early teen sex comedy stuff like American Pie and Eurotrip has a lot of problems and flaws. But they are, uh, I don't know why, but they hold like a special place in my heart because I saw them when I was like supposed to see them at that age. So like some of the jokes I find like really funny, but obviously some of the more like, you know, like jokes that are just like about like sexually assaulting women aren't as funny. And it's weird when you rewatch these movies, you realize that like a lot of these jokes are not jokes. They're just like, I had sex with a girl who was asleep. And they just like, 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 isn't that like so zany? Like, isn't statutory rape funny? And it's like, I don't really think it is. And I think lots of people are kind of waking up to that fact. But um, obviously, we still have like super harmful depictions in media. Like recently, I watched Think Like a Man, which is about a woman being able to read men's thoughts. Yeah. 
she has this gay assistant in the movie. It is basically like the most stereotypical <laughs> gay character I've ever seen. Like they make him like say like uh, they make him like roll his R's like Cardi B and stuff like that. And he's like this very white guy. It's just like really gross to see that. And that movie came out like last year. I'm thinking so, about what? like that that those characters are always there. Um in that Rebel Wilson movie um where she like hits her head and and she's in like a fairy tale or whatever. Oh, she's, it's like kind of a funny story or like the it's the romantic one. It's called yeah. like romantic comedy or whatever. Isn't it romantic? I think that's what it's yes, called. That's and it. her character she literally goes like, "Oh, this is like the most stereotypical gay man like taking it back <laughs> taking gay rights back 50 years because all he does is like watch her change and then like leaves and he has no mm-hmm. character development or anything mm-hmm. like uh, that basically yeah. like he's like the sassy black friend but like i guess they didn't want to cast a black person so they're nope. just like get a get a skinny white guy and make him do a lisp and it's like <laughs> and he sounds like a character from like a 1940s movie it's like no gay person has sounded like that since the mid 80s like it's obviously they're just like, okay, yeah, get like a queer guy, like some gay dude, make him sound like a woman. I don't know. It's like, it'd be funny. People love that, right? People like laughing at that, right? You know? Yeah, I think what you said earlier was really important. It's like, we can begin to make these jokes once it's not a reality. But because yeah. like, gay rights, healthcare options for like the queer community, women are still getting abused like it's just it's we're still getting raped like it's it's not it's tone deaf it's yeah. punching down it's like you know it's like making it's like finding a minority who's like very much on like the receiving end of a lot of backlash and it's like giving them more it's like why would you do that as a comedian when like your job is to make people laugh it's to like punch down and call people like like faggot and stuff like that like what does that do for you and your comedy exactly you know it's like like um eddie murphy used to have a stand-up special and it was called eddie murphy raw and he was like a really like edgy comedian back in the 80s and one of his bits was about how he'd kill a man if he hit on him. Like, that's just like, you know. And Eddie Murphy is um, has also been vilified for being uh, allegedly a bisexual because he would often pick up um, transgender prostitutes. Uh, he was actually caught for doing that once and tried to say that he was uh, driving her home. Yeah, he picked up a prostitute on like Rodeo driving in Hollywood and the cops stopped him. And he was, I was simply driving her home, which is not true. <laughs> Eddie Murphy was trying to have sex with this person, you know? You know. I think, I think the important thing that, like, we can kind of take from this little tangent that we went on, because we were initially talking about, like, bisexuality and a lot of, like, the stigmatization mm-hmm. around it. I think that when we're looking at media, especially from, like, a queer theory lens, it's really important to understand how these representations are so harmful because they're so untrue. Um, yeah. And I think when we're like understanding and learning more about sexuality in particular, some in particularity, some sexualities that are still like essentially like a little bit shamed in our society. And I hate to say that because that's obviously not how I feel, but I know that like when you say bisexual to someone or you say pansexual to someone, it's still like, what is that? I don't know. Do you like me? Do you like, you know, do you like this dog? Like they say random things and it's so harmful, but it's partially it's because their only understanding of it has been 
like hyper oppressive stereotypes and yeah. hypersexualized representations in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like really excited that we got to have this conversation. And I, I really loved the like media lens we kind of took to it. Cause I feel like a lot of straight people don't really understand how harmful the media is because there are so many white straight representations in media. So you can have kind of characters from all complexities, women, not so much, but like m- yeah, men. Women are, women are pretty like binary, you know, like even if you watch <laughs> like a woman led show, like something like two broke girls, they still fall into like one's the hot dumb one. And one is the hot sassy one and they're both hot. And it's like, okay, like, that show is really bad, by the way. Like, it's <laughs> probably like it's super racist. I, I I could talk about like weird things in media all day. I could talk about Sex in the City. I think hours. we should have a Sex in the hours. City episode. I think that's what's next for us. And we should I would... play the music in the beginning too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that intro is so embarrassing. It oh. is. It is classic. Seeing Carrie walk around New York City, it is like. I mean, that's how I feel when I walk around Montreal. It's like I there's a there's like a show being made about me. Like I am the main character <laughs> and it's like it is it is perfect. It is like it's perfect, like HBO show, I would say. Like, obviously, there's a lot of problems with it, but I really do. I really do enjoy it. It's definitely one of my guilty pleasures, I'd have to say. Well, I would definitely love to have you back on and we can definitely break that show down because I. <laughs> Those characters, each and every one of them are their own thing. And I yeah. we could have an episode per character. But yeah. um, I wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast and taking the time. I didn't know if you wanted to kind of plug your socials, if anybody wants to hit you up or. Yeah, I, I do that for sure. I'll do um, my Instagram, which is uh, when dove sad. So we'll link my, it. We'll yeah. link it. <laughs> We'll, my, we'll link it. And also I wanted to plug my uh, my letterbox, which is like a movie reviewing thing where it's like you can read reviews I wrote about movies and stuff. Like it's just something I do for fun. And That's my awesome. Letter- yeah. Yeah. My letterbox is just um, Dove Sad, like D-O-V-S-A-D. Like follow me there. Uh, yeah. So that's it. I'm pretty active on social media. So like if you want, you can you can DM me and talk to the editor of Let- Ladies, Let's Talk About Sex. Or if you think I sound super attractive, you can hit me up and maybe we can do something. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. You know, it's up to you. Do whatever you want. But. Well, if you want to find out more about Thomas, we'll definitely have all of that on our Instagram at ladies. Let's talk about sex um, for all of the links and all the details for this episode. I just wanted to thank everybody for taking the time to listen. And yeah, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time. Um, we will have all of Thomas's links in our podcast bio and on our Instagram at ladies. Let's talk about sex. If you like this episode and want to hear more, we have episodes coming out every Monday. Um, make sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts and Spotify. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much for having me.